attending today. Um, welcome to the Digital Marketing Masterclass delivered by MediaWorks. Um, today is going to focus on building high-performance teams and titled Double Down on Digital Learning. I think it's fair to say that the pace of changing the world of marketing is dramatically accelerating as devices, platforms and channels we consume increasingly diverge. So do the skills and knowledge required to maintain and grow as impactful marketeers. Uh, but how do we and our teams keep up to, up to date with this rapid pace of change? I think when we were putting this session together, it's fair to say that we've seen this as an agency firsthand in terms of the, the demands, the requirements, the skill sets that people are looking for to develop in these areas, but also of what is being expected and what we're seeing from a consumer perspective uh, being mirrored in the, in the actual sort of technical requirements that they're looking for or organizations are looking for from their agencies but we appreciate that not everybody on this call today will be from an agency or be looking to engage with an agency and actually might be doing some of this in-house um, so from our perspective it's really a case of understanding um, how you develop those teams and what infrastructure you can put in, in around to make sure that you've got a high performing team from a digital uh, marketing perspective some of the research that i did by the way was around um the requirements for digital marketing. So I think um, in 2020, uh, looking back, LinkedIn did a survey where they said that the requirement for digital marketing roles had grown 33%. Therefore, the skills in digital marketing had also grown at a similar level, with 94% of hires in the digital marketing space now actually requiring a bachelor's degree or higher. So I think it's really interesting to think about sort of the fact that some teams don't have those skill sets already and will be looking to develop those skill sets and what you can do in that space. So I'm delighted in that in that tone, in that, in that sort of approach, to be joined by the two panellists I've got with me today. So as you know by now, I'm David Norris. I'm a performance marketing director here at MediaWorks and I'll be hosting this podcast. We've also got with us um, Bob Gammy, who's Dean of York Business School. Um, would you like to say hello, Bob? Hi, thanks for that, uh, David. And um, it's a really interesting uh, sort of preamble you 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 gave to us there. Um, I know that you and I have had lots of conversations around digital marketing in in the past, and I'm um, always intrigued by the link between education and training and skills development um, as well. And it's one of the things that we've tried to do here at uh, York and John at York Business School is look at the the join between education, training and skills and how difficult that is from an education perspective um, as well, particularly in such a, dare I say, uh, as we're describing you as a former academic, you will, you will you will have been there in the past to appreciate the, the rate of pace of change that you talked about there in terms of digital marketing and you compare that with the rate of pace of change in a university and the two of them just don't sync up. Um, together and I know I mean I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of um, uh, recruiters of, of of our business graduates and marketing graduates in, in this institution and previous institutions as well who are somewhat dismayed at the the, the level of knowledge the, the, the skills of the graduates that that come out and they are 
lack of ability to be able to hit the ground running and make a positive contribution um, to the organization um, until they've been almost retrained and a different way of thinking um, as well along the line. You know, that's, <clears throat> I perceive that to be a feeling of, of, of universities. Um, but we'll come back to that. Uh, but just to say, I've been at York St. John for five years uh, now, and uh, we've tried to do a lot in this in this uh, digital marketing area, and it's and it's difficult, and it's difficult for universities to to keep up to up to date. And I think there's a lot of different ways of working in there that can that can possibly help us. I was just an introduction, David. Sorry, I went on a bit there. I do apologise. No, no, Bob. I think you made some really interesting points that we'll definitely uh, revisit as we go through this session. Um, and then we've got um, Samantha. So Samantha uh, Link joins us as um, uh, head of HR at Nomad Digital. So Samantha, would you like to just give us a bit of a background on yourself, please? Yeah, thanks, David. So yeah, many many years ago, I was a teacher in secondary education. I taught business, economics, accounts, um, and I took a lead in e-learning. And, and I won an award for bringing fun to learning. Um, and I've always really believed that learning is about having fun and really kind of empowering yourself. I think um, moving into kind of staff development, I did a lot of teacher training and a lot of evening classes and things. I ended up getting a role in Sage, uh, so big local uh, software company. And I was doing learning and development. Um, I moved into talent management. It was a lot more about performance and development. And then for the last six years, I've been at Nomad Digital, where yeah, my role is kind of all encompassing. I do recruitment, talent management, performance and development, engagement, culture, L&D, much more kind of whole organisational development. Um, and I just, you know, passionately believe that it's the development area that can have the biggest impact on, on a business. No, I think, I, uh, and, 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 you know, as, as anybody who was here at the start would, would, would uh, be able to attest, Samantha and I actually caught up yesterday about when we were talking through some of the 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 links between education, skills, knowledge, et cetera, behaviours, culture. Um, so that's really the, the vein of, of what we're going to look at today. And I think, Samantha, I'm going to come to you first then around the first question that I want to, to really dive into today, which was around how do you classify knowledge and skills and, and, and ensure that they're aligned to your business growth? Okay, so yeah, I think most most organisations would look at competency frameworks, you know, some way of classifying, right, what are the business goals, and therefore, what are the roles or the jobs that we need to do that, and, and there's kind of a few elements you can bring into your competency framework. At a very detailed level, you might have a skills matrix, so you might go through the kind of technical functional skills that you need, um, but then you also need to look at right, the business goals around growth. Um, you know, what are the requirements for them? What are the values of our business as well? So there'll be some more generic skills or behaviours um, that you're likely to need. And what you'll, what you'll probably find is that once you've done a bit of a, a needs analysis, so you look at, okay, what are the roles that we have and, and the skills there? You might also do a little bit of um, gap analysis. You know, you might look at where have we got experts? Where are the people really strong versus where are the, the biggest gaps? And then prioritise those. Um, but one of the things I've I've always um, sort of understood within a business is you've got to link it to performance. You've got to link it to what are we trying to achieve? What does performance look like in our business? So one of the things I mentioned to David, which I quite like, is just a really basic definition of performance, which is ability, motivation and opportunity. And performance is, is kind of a function of those three. 
So the ability aspect is about the framework, knowing like what are the actual skills that we need, what how are they described, what do they look like, what what does good look like, um, and you can often find them in you know free frameworks online or look at curriculum that education often provide and apprenticeship standards and things. So there's ways of classifying what ability looks like at different levels. Motivation is often about why why would people want to learn, why would they want to train or develop. So it could be giving people feedback on a regular basis around areas they could get better at. Most people will actually develop more in line with their strengths. If you tell someone how good they are at something, they're usually more motivated to get better rather than negative feedback that people feel they kind of have to overcome. Um, but it could also be career development, helping people link. Okay, well, if I learn in these areas, that could lead to promotion and a new job, a different role and sort of extra responsibility. So making sure there's motivation for people to learn and, you know, re reward for that learning and then opportunity. So actually, even if people go on a training course, are they going to remember everything they've learned? Probably not unless they go straight back in and they apply it and put it into practice. So making sure that people have got the opportunity one, to learn in the first place, but then two, to make it real and put it into practice and get some feedback on it. I think th those are kind of your key elements to really empower whatever framework you're able to come up with. Yeah, and I think I think you've you've highlighted straight straight out the gates, to be honest with you, Samantha, an area that I think is really interesting because, again, you know, some research, it's an area I often sort of keep up to date on, is, is that... I think that uh, Market Week did some research recently highlighting a list of the top 10 skills they're looking for, for or, or were being asked for by digital marketers, digital marketing employers. And honestly, every single one of the top 10 is a, is a functional sort of technical skill. So paid social media, ad serving, analytics, social media, advertising, etc. And it was really interesting to hear Bob sort of talk at the beginning saying that there's an element of, like hitting the ground running. And like I think that for me, it shows sort of some of the disconnect that we're seeing is because when we're asking employers, it is it seems often very, in my opinion, very linked to sort of technical competencies or technical activities rather than sort of the wider commercial strategic piece, et cetera, that for example, there might be they might be covering universities, which by the way is then normally things we ask for people as they progress and develop through an organization. So it's really interesting that we ask for these technical skills and then we seem to focus on, on like developing people from a strategic perspective, but also from a technical perspective. But yeah, Bob, have you got anything you'd like to come on on that? Yeah, I think I think um, you make a really interesting point, um, David, and it's one that's sort of, it's a kind of interesting way of how do we develop and what's the purpose of a of a of a university and to me university is about um and, and university i use a general term and then we talk specifically about business schools with within that because business schools teach marketing marketing is where you know the, the whole subset of digital marketing or is it a subset and that's a whole different question on its on on its own but the university here to to advance knowledge um and to provide frameworks for people to develop their their understanding of of, of concepts and, and theory and that's kind of one way of thinking about it and as you say further down the line you're looking for um graduates to be and as we we discussed at the very start i think before the before people came on about being a reflective practitioner at the end of the day you know you, you maybe you've got all the skills and you're putting them all into um into play but how does that 
look in a longer term perspective is it the right thing we should be doing for an organization we can maybe flick all the right switches and press all the right buttons in the right order but is it the right thing that, that we should be doing it and i think the difficulty I have from a business school perspective is I think that we're trying to do both things. We're trying to provide the framework and provide the skills as as well. But a lot of the, you know, it's, it's interesting here, Samantha, looking, saying when you're looking for, for or the right people to fit into the organisation, academic staff in the marketing area are largely theoretically based on teaching marketing from a number of years ago. And so... That's why they come out with some decent theoretical knowledge, but with an inability to actually contribute on the first few months uh, of 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 of, the, of their work. So it's 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 a, and I think business schools should be contributing to business, and business schools should be producing the graduates that businesses want. And in digital marketing. I would say is the fastest moving area of any of our business disciplines. I always speak to our HR lecturers and say, I know Samantha is an HR person, so I wouldn't want to be too insulting here. That the HR doesn't really change very much. It's kind of the same. It's kind of it is what it is. And largely strategy is kind of, you know, and if there's strategic lecturers on here or there's or HR, I'm gonna get, you know, a different perspective. And I appreciate that. But I have digital marketing is moving on so quickly that that where is the theory and where are the, 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 the academic frameworks that go with that? And are they developed? Are they developing? So it's it's how do we all keep pace with probably the fastest moving area? If we can give them the skills, I think that's a great place to, to have them. And if we link that up with some of the with some frameworks and some, some theory, I think that's great as well. But we need to be cognizant of the fact that it does rapidly change and what we're giving them, they will be able to facilitate change as well as they move forward. So they have to have a mindset that's appropriate to accept that what we're giving them now may be out of date in in, in you know, a very short period of time. That's why I think that we need a different delivery model and we need to link much more closely with industry in the field of, of digital marketing. The traditional, here are some modules and here's some lectures and here's some tutorials and here's a piece of coursework isn't really particularly helpful in, in, in this area because what we're doing is out of date by the time we're, you know, before the lecture's given, material's out of date. It's a different delivery model. It's a different way of interaction between business. I think business schools are slowly going down this particular route whereby there's a much more closer link with uh, with business and with the actual people delivering this. And that's a business model. I think it needs to be explored further. Yeah, I think that links in really nicely, doesn't it, with the point that, that Samantha made, Bob, around around you know it's great that you've got a training course or it's great that you get this input but it's actually about you need to then take it away and apply it because the reality is if you don't then it's you know it's just knowledge that sits on a shelf somewhere or sits in a notepad that we probably all carry around and then never ever use I think it's really interesting to think of it like that I think coming on the second point that I wanted to talk was about then accessibility really um in the sense that you know again doing some research into this, 90% of corporations now use e-learning. Like, like that can't really be a surprise to, to any of us. And I think coming out of the pandemic, that has only ever uh, grown. And I think the idea that people, you know, weren't going to use e-learning or would use e-learning for a period and then drop back, the reality is, um, you know, I can speak, having worked in universities, people 
tend to talk about e-learning as this newfangled thing, but actually elements of e-learning have been taking place for you know the last couple of decades at least um, in one guise or another. And you know, in 1995, KPMG said there was only four percent of organisations engaged in e-learning. So I guess the thing that I think is really interesting about e-learning or online learning is accessibility and the ability for people to access it in a on an often on-demand uh, way. So how do we ensure then that a team learning or an individual's learning within a team is accessible and does not conflict with the commercial objectives? Samantha, I'm going to come to you first on that one, please. Okay, yeah, sure. So I suppose my first reaction when you talk about that is, yeah, online learning isn't an option anymore. It's like compulsory. Um, you know, even I've got young kids, one of them's just started primary school, you know, there's an app for, for this, there's an app for that, you know, it's all all remote, there's, you know, YouTube for kids, there's everything. So the, the people entering the workforce are used to just having knowledge at their fingertips and they're used to searching, you know, the Google generation, they're used to searching, they're used to kind of their own format of learning. So I guess one of the roles of the organisation is for you to harness that a little bit with either the framework or a particular um, online system um, or just giving people a bit of direction so they know where to search and what kind of topics to be looking at, but also making sure that then you're using any data that comes off the back of that. So just as an example, in, in Nomad Digital, we give all of our um, colleagues access to LinkedIn Learning. And it means that from the back end, you know, we can look at what they're watching, what they're using, um, how much time they're spending on it, you know, what kind of topics are popular. But likewise, we can encourage them to share amongst them, themselves. They can tell me like which course has been really good for, I don't know, a particular product that they're driving and I can share that with other people. So it really helps get the conversation going so that actually people can access it anytime. You don't have to do it just in office hours. Um, you know, and it's not just work related either. You know, they can go on and do gen generic career development, transferable skills, productivity, well-being. So I think people can find the content, whether you provide it or not. But probably what they want more help with, and everyone's so busy, you know, people don't want to feel like they're wasting their time. Um, and what I've certainly found over even just the last 10 years is learning and development is much more now about facilitating learning rather than just creating some training and, and giving it to people. There's so much content out there. It's more about how do you get people to know which bit of content is useful and why? How do you get them to kind of reflect and think about, OK, what am I doing with it? What have I learned? And, and really encourage sharing. I think with digital marketing, one of the things I, I think would be really useful is to think about um, serendipitous learning, that kind of almost accidental. I'm just, I'm browsing, I'm messing about, I, I see a link, I follow that. Um, and they find something that's really useful. And I think with social media, David, you mentioned that's kind of one of the big things in digital marketing. I, I would imagine most of your team members are on social media, not just for work, you know, actually on a nighttime, whatever, they're using it. They're actually your customers so if, if you're helping them think through what are they noticing and learning and how can they apply that at work, um, I think that will really enhance the, the culture and the, the attitude that people have towards kind of change and, and as Bob said, the, the rapid pace of change at the moment. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the best things that, that for me uh, has definitely came out of the, the pandemic is that, that we used to have a situation whereby obviously people share information but it felt like there had to be meetings take place to share information or there had to be an event put on to share information or insight, et cetera. I think during the pandemic, definitely in MediaWorks, we saw people sort of, you know, 
gravitate towards sort of online for online forums, our own online forum, our own you know organizational team, etc. And I think that that what that has then provided is a platform, a platform for information sharing, whether that be you know sharing company updates, sharing policies on holiday changing, etc. But one of the areas that we have ultimately seen is is you know you talk about that serendipitous learning is we know people were sort of looking at best practices and wanting to improve themselves, et cetera. Those platforms have now became a real, you know, repository of really interesting, uh, you know, articles, YouTube videos, surveys, et cetera, where, you know, people are much more comfortable sharing that ideas because I think it's almost replaced that, that sort of kitchen conversation, if you like, that would have taken place in the staff room or in a, you know, in where, you know, dining hall or wherever, you know, coffee shop. And now it's there for everybody to see. And I think that for me has been one of the really interesting elements that that I've seen and people's willingness to share and people's um sort of the way they encourage each other as well, you know, that 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 support. And it's seen as a really positive thing across the organization. Um so I was going to jump in there, David, and and and, and kind of agree with 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 all of that. I think one thing that the, the pandemic has done is really pressed the accelerator on people's willingness to engage in in this sort of e-learning environment, and um, the volume of material that's that's out there is is, is frankly extraordinary, and uh, the quality of the material as well is is. Uh, is terrific as well. As Martha said, people are people are really busy um, at the moment, and you know I've talked to to various um, um, providers of of say Project Management Twenty Twenty, the sort of leading project management trainer in the UK, and and they were talking through how things have evolved and changed for them in terms of they used to drive trainers around the country and put on um, you know classes and deliver to to people in person and and they've they've now almost stopped all of that and uh, their entire business model has gone has gone online with a consequent impact on on their bottom line and in the the, the feedback they're getting from learners as well is you know really really positive so it's kind of there's been a tremendous acceleration and a different ways of working which have now been accepted is that e-learning is much more of a way to do it, even when there is an opportunity to do it face to face, that people are preferring to do it this way for a whole stack of advantages that it gives to, that, it, that it gives that it gives to, to, to individuals as as well. And you know, there's you know, dare we step into climate and all that kind of stuff. But the whole way of working is 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 really is really important. We you know, apprentices are an, an, uh, an interesting way of doing things as well, whereby they are they are. Whichever apprenticeship you're doing, you're an incredibly busy person because uh, you're meant you're meant to have twenty percent off off the job, um, but that can sometimes be different to what the actual reality is. But the ability for them to access material online at any time um, is a terrific um, uh, way of working for 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 these particular subset of of individuals. So I'm just amazed at the accelerator that's being pressed because of this, and are now. A complete acceptance of a new delivery method, which was there, but has now become almost mainstream in the way that we that we do things, rather than something that's nice to have on the edge, um, when face to face used to be the way of doing things as a preference. 
Yeah, and I think I think your point there, Bob, about sort of that that on demand element and and the way that, as you say, it's it's online. And I think that sort of summarises that whole section of conversation that we've just had there around. You know, it's about it being available when people want it. You know, that that for me is a really a really big piece of of you know. I'm thinking about when people in media works will share you know interesting pieces or updates or new ways of practice or new ways of working. They do it, they're posting that as they're doing it, as they're finding mm-hmm. themselves, mm-hmm. they're reporting mm-hmm. it in real time. And I think that to sort of link back to what Sam Salander says, I think that a real powerful role of, of learning development within organisations now is about curating that content. Yeah. It's actually mm-hmm. having the infrastructure where people can access. It's almost that that how-to, that, you know, that self-help element um, that's there for on-demand. Um, you know, as I say, having almost that repository of information that, that people yeah, can... And, and willingness of people to, to go into that repository and search things out as well, yeah. and a comfort in doing that, because... You say, oh, it's there. Oh, I don't know how to use that software. I don't know. But this is, again, that no longer is a, is a hurdle that we seem yeah. to have because everyone is able to, to do that. I mean, we've, we're on Zoom today. Are we on Zoom? I think we're on Zoom. No, Google. We're on something. We're on Zoom. We're on Zoom. Oh, we're on Zoom, yeah. So, I mean, Microsoft Teams, I mean, you know, 18 months ago, everybody was ooh, a bit reticent about that. Now, no one ever calls me anymore. They just um, <laughs> give me a message on Teams or phone me up on this. It's just... To just a different mindset, I think, in, in society. Yeah. I think I wanted to, to sort of go into another area, which is around sort of that, that balance between functional skill development and wide skill development that we, we, we touched on earlier. I think that, you know, from a digital marketing perspective, we saw, you know, McKinsey said that we've seen 10 years of, of e-commerce adoption in just three months following the, the, the sort of COVID outbreak across most of Western society. Um and I think that the you know which is sort of March twenty end of March twenty twenty right through to the summer months we saw ten years of development in just three months and as a result you know if you're a marketing manager out there you know it wasn't an option of of will you do you know could you do digital it's we have to do digital um, and I think that definitely sort of you know encourage people to to focus on on how they can upskill, what are the opportunities out there, where can you get that information from? Because as you say, Bob, people didn't have the opportunity to go, right, okay, I'm going to go to a training program or a, or a conference that's going to be delivered at this location or do with it, you know, a, a two-day training event, etc. So I think it's changed the way that we, we you know, the, the demand for the way that we acquire knowledge and skills and insight, but also changed what people were actually looking for in the first place because as I say, that drive to digital change things up. And I read that um, 48% of professional marketers surveyed by Smart Insights, who are, you know, it's a great resource if people want to look at that, um, by the way, but, you know, 48% of professional marketers surveyed said that their organisation did market and uh, did digital marketing but had no defined strategy. So for me, what I've often seen, and I've talked about this for years, is is in digital, there is that real focus on quite often from a digital market perspective on those tactical level objectives. You know, we, 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 you heard it earlier when I said around what we're employers looking for, and I listed a long list of the top 10, and all of them were very specific sort of tactical level skills. So I guess I have a question around that, and I'm going to come to you sort of, Sister Samantha, how do you balance that? that tech, like tactical, technical skills. I think we've touched on, talked about how you acquire those. First, that wider skill development piece. Yeah, okay. So I think there's two things that that come to mind. Um, 
The first one is more around, and we've kind of touched on it a little bit, about people who have that innate curiosity. You know, they, they love learning and they want to learn um, and you're almost just trying to harness it. And I think um, one of the things that I've done in talent management over the years is look at how do we define potential? So if you're looking for your future leaders and the, the, the people who are going to inspire you know, your, your teams, what does potential look like? And it's not just performance in the past. It's about an ability to perform in the future, to not know what the future is and find a way to take people with you, to bring on the change, to solve complex and unknown problems. And the best definition I've seen of that is learning agility. And learning agility is about people who show those behaviors where they're curious, they want to learn, they, they adapt their style to other people, they're self-aware and they welcome feedback from people. So if you get people like that in leadership positions, one research says that they're your best bet of being the high performers in the future. So that, that's good for the business. But two, they show those behaviors and they set the culture for the rest of the business. So they naturally start rewarding and, and sharing success stories of people who've developed because they've been learning. And they naturally, you know, encourage more of the like behaviors that are more strategic. So it's not necessarily about, oh, you know, well done, you've learned a bit more about paid social media. It's actually you went out and found some new idea and, and found a way to implement it. So I think focusing on learning agility, in other words, the behaviors that allow people to learn these things because they're proactive, they're curious, they network, you know, they're, they're focused on what, what kind of can be improved. Those are really important. The second thing is thinking about how you as a business can, again, align your strategic um, competencies or values or whatever it is that's important for your business more widely with those individual, more tactical, day-to-day -day things that people need in the here and now for their jobs. And just an example of what I found works really well in Nomad is the last couple of years, we've run an initiative called Learning at Nomad Week. And um, we've got this year's is actually next week, but we won an award from the CIPD for it last year because what we really try to do is look at the strategic. So I worked with the execs to say, right, what are the big, the big things we need to do? What's on our product roadmap? What are the behaviors that we need to encourage? And we had each day was aligned to a value. So we have like expert, innovative, uh, trustworthy and collaborative. And then we had a day for well-being because, again, that's just so important at the moment. And we brought in external facilitators, but we also ran like peer-to-peer -peer sessions. So we got product experts to run sessions on their products. Um, we shared the timetable every day. We shared an email with like links to content they could access if they weren't available to join the live sessions. We recorded them and we kind of tried to cover the stuff that people are asking for more regularly, like specific products but we and tools and systems that they have to use in our business. But we also did stuff about like LinkedIn learning, how to get the best out of it. Um, we did things that, that were a bit different about, you know, how you can apply your parenting skills <laughs> to work. So we did things that were, we did like time to talk just about mental health. So we tried to do things that helped people see learning. Sorry, my lights keep going out. <laughs> helped people see learning in, in a different way. And it's not always about a formal course, but there is, once you get that knowledge and once you're sharing and talking, what more can you do with it and how can you apply it? And we, we got really good response. I think it, it was just something that last year, particularly that brought, we're a global business. So it brought everyone together, you know, in a really difficult time when people were, were struggling with all kinds of weird and crazy things happening in the world. Um, and it really just gave people a, a boost to help them. I mean, it, it promotes resilience as well if people have that growth mindset. So I think really focusing on the, the art of learning itself 
rather than just the outcome of what you learn, um, is just really key for, for bridging that strategic gap. It's really, it's really interesting that Samantha, because I was just thinking back to it. Is a, a bit of a, an insight if you, you know, considering interviewing for media works. Is one of the questions that we we ask often at interview is how do you learn? You know, what's your approach to learning? And I think that you know what often comes back is people will tell us about what they've learned. You know, so people will say, well, I've done this course over here and I've done that course over there, and I and I went, and, you know, and I read this blog over here. But actually, what we're interested in is is how they learn. You know, because we know that learning isn't, uh, you know, isn't isn't the end of the journey. It's a start, it's a start point, or it's or it's you know a bus stop along that journey, if you like, in the sense that it's just a cross-sectional snapshot in a piece of time. What learning you've completed to that date, we're all constantly learning, and that's one of the things that one of the reasons that I'm always really interested in what outcome, what what response I get to that question is because it shows me as to whether people are thinking about that continuous learning or whether they have a mindset for continuous learning and how they're then going to manage that alongside working in a professional environment or a you know, busy, fast-paced agency. So it's always a really interesting uh, question that we ask and we will get some really interesting responses to it because I think understanding how to learn and therefore how to take the insights from any learning because that's what we, we learn for, right, is to to put it into action or, or, you know, develop skills, knowledge, etc. that we never had previously. But I think, you know, for me, it's really interesting to consider that how do we learn piece. Um, and I guess I'd follow up question that, which was how do you create then a culture of constant learning? You know, so Samantha, you know, you talk about it from Nomad's uh, perspective and I know Bob will, will talk about this in terms of, you know, one of the things that Bob and I used to talk about when we worked uh, closely together uh, previously was, was you know, again, graduates not being, uh, you know, seen as the, the end. It's seen as very much, a, you know, a stop off along a, a wider journey. And we want those people who, you know, continuous learning. So how do you ensure or how do you develop a, a culture of, of learning within an organisation? Yeah, so I guess the most important thing um, that I think, and Bob will probably add, add something to this shortly, that, that is maybe the difference between going from education to going into business is the amount of on-the-job learning that suddenly takes place without you even almost knowing it once you're at, at work and, and in a business. And um, there, there's some research that came out in the 80s, but it, it's stood the test of time. And a lot of organisations will implement now, and it's called the 70-20-10 approach to learning. And it basically says that roughly about 70% of what people learn when they're in the workplace is actually just what they learn doing their job. Um, so it's through experience. So it might be through the assignments you give them, the projects they work on, um, the exposure they get to, fit to actually doing those jobs. And that's like 70% of everything they're going to learn. Another 20% is more the social side of it. So that's more what they learn by seeing others, observing, mentoring, the feedback that they get, the networks that they're part of. And, and the research suggests that that 90%, that 70 and 20, that 90% is very informal learning. And it's quite hard to structure and plan for that because it's just happening all the time. The 10% that's left is your formal education or, or your courses and your um, maybe online courses. But that bit is kind of essential to give you the knowledge or the platform. So if you think about people who have left education and they've really had that 10% has been everything they've been learning, you know, that 10% they've been on a formal course if they've been in full-time education, they're now coming to that being a really tiny bit, but they have to 
understand how to amplify that bit from the course. And that's where managers are really key because if you're using your like one-to-ones or check-ins or whatever you call them, you're using your existing meetings to say, well, what did you learn? What have you applied? What's gone well for you this month? What might you need to do differently next month? Those kind of coaching questions will actually just make people really apply their learning, think about what they're learning. And if they can't answer those questions, they'll they'll start thinking, well, next time I catch up with this manager, I'm going to have to answer those questions. So I think really thinking about once you've got that framework, that 10%, what are you doing to make people and help people talk about their learning, network with the right people, um, you know, get feedback? And also, can they move projects? Can they move assignments? A lot of the big consultancy companies, um, you know, they do their reviews after every project with people, like a performance review. They wouldn't necessarily do it at the end of the year. They'll do it when you can almost reflect back on what's gone well and then what you can do better going forward. So I think building those constant conversations into how you operate and how you do business is really about um, that journey to getting a learning culture. Yeah. Bob, would you like to come in on that? Yeah, I think that sounds absolutely brilliant, Martha. I just uh, <laughs> just agree agree with all of that. I mean, to, to, to go back to your previous answer, and I think one of the things that we're trying to, to do at universities is just to, for people to graduate with a curious mindset, for them to be just, you know, asking questions, to have that, you know, they the keep thinking about asking, to be curious as, as much as they can. And for their, for their learning to be balanced, rather than do the same sort of learning over and over and over and over again, is to look at, okay, I've done a lot of that kind of functional stuff. Do I need to do something else now? Do I need to look at And again, that's part of those conversations that you were, that you were talking about as well. And one of the things that sort of made me think when you were chatting about uh, how you were describing things at, at Nomad, which sounded absolutely fabulous, to tell you the truth, of your week of learning, it just sounded great, um, oh, for something like that here, um, it, uh, it sounded really enjoyable. Um, as well, and that people you're getting lots and lots of really positive feedback because people were getting involved in it and also learning, but enjoying themselves as well, rather than feeling it was something they had to do, something that was mandatory, something you were prescribing. It was something that was part of the company's culture, and it was good to do, and it was benefiting the company, it's benefiting the individuals, it's benefiting your clients as well as people develop. So, a key to this, something is overlooked, is it's got to be good fun for people as well. They've got to enjoy doing it. And then it becomes self-fulfilling in, in many ways. And, you know, I, I see, you know, when David talks about media work, it's the same there. It's self-fulfilling in many ways and that people really get involved in doing this. And, you know, some of these questions about learning kind of allude to that as well. Yeah, I think I think for me, it's it's like, you know, when you're thinking in, in the digital market space, it's that dynamic, it's that fast-paced, et cetera. It's how do you actually keep up to date and the only way to do it really is, is if you do have those curious people who want to learn because it's not it's not a place that ever stays static. You know, it's not a space mm-hmm. where you can say, oh, well, I've learned that, tick. You know, because as soon as you think you've got it, you haven't got it because it, it moves on regardless of what we think. And I think, you know, you highlighted it there, Samantha, in terms of the role of leadership in that as well because, you know, I'm conscious of, of you know, people on this call might be in a leadership role themselves. But I think... You know, what Harvard Business Review uh, did did a, a piece around sort of uh, sort of creating this learning uh, learning culture. And they talked about rewarding continuous learning. You know, they talked about giving meaningful and constructive feedback. Something that you highlighted, uh, Samantha. 
but, but also the higher the higher curious people was the third element. The fourth was lead by example. Like for, for me, I think one of the things that I'm always focused on at MediaWorks and senior team is, is is really sharing that insight, bringing in those new ideas, not not saying this is our way of doing it, therefore that is it forevermore. It's in our industry, simply you can't be like that in the digital market space because you know it's always about you know we talk about it all the time talk about test and learn you know test and learn is, is something you'll hear every digital agency really talk about and test and learn for us isn't just on a technical perspective it's on an individual basis it's it's right okay well you've done something right what did you learn from that right you tried something what were the learnings from that and sharing those learnings i think and being open about you know when things work but also when things didn't work you know, it's not paid by numbers, digital marketing, as much as it is data-driven, et cetera, it's not. And I think that that's where, you know, when we talk to universities, when we have our conversations with Bob, and when we, you know, run things like the short course or the master's course that we run very successfully with your business school, by the way, um, that, that's delivered by MediaWorks practitioners and your business school academics, we'll talk about that, that, well, what does actually all of this mean? How do you constantly learn? Because... It's not just a t- it's not a checklist. It's constantly evolving. It's about thinking about how do you make sure that you know when something's moving all the time. How do you ensure that people are kept up to date with these most relevant skills? Because again, thirty percent of marketers uh, highlighted you know a lack of digital skills as a as a barrier to success, and they said that because it, it constantly keeps evolving, keeps moving. So I think it's really interesting when you start to think about that. I just wanted to to finish by, uh, I've got a penultimate point really, um, is around sort of things that people can do on a practical level, you know, and and for me, it's things like online training courses. Again, you know, we've, at MediaWorks, we've invested heavily in this and, you know, you've probably seen things like the short course that we've promoted in different areas along with your business school. You know, we think that that's something we should be doing because, you know, we're not expecting, for example, graduates or people who've been in marketing and now have it become more digital, just by osmosis, get these skills or harness these skills. There has to be some, you know, structured learning or structured sort of piece in there for them to engage with. So that's something we do. Um, there's also things like industry experts, blogs and vlogs. You know, you, you, everybody who's listening to this is, is winning by the fact that they're already listening to pl- blogs and podcasts and blogs and all the rest of it. So I think that's a really uh, sort of, you know, practical element. You know, conferences and events, you know, we've, we've sort of, I wouldn't say dismissed them, we haven't, but we're definitely in a new format. And again, start to look at now the world's opening back up. Again, opportunities for your team, your individuals to engage. Again, start with leadership on those, you know, so start with getting your leaders involved in that. And again, disseminating that knowledge when you come back is really important. Things like lunch and learns and then, Professional training days as well is definitely something. But I do like Samantha's point around, you know, there is so much information out there right now that, you know, when I think what we've done with the master's course, for example, Bob, um, is is around is around that curation piece. We haven't been so bold to say, right, okay, the knowledge that we're providing is the only knowledge that's out there. What we do is we curate from different areas and get different perspectives, different insights, and bring those in the classroom. And I think that that's the benefit that the learners that we're teaching on the cohort seem to be seeing is that it's a balance between that academic theory, but also those practical insights. Um, and I think that's a really important element. 
It'd be remiss of me to say that uh, our next cohort starts on, by the way, October the 25th. So get your applications in for that now. <laughs> uh, I would get told off if I didn't mention it. I know I would. So I think for me, I've, I've written sort of five actionable insights then that, that I would suggest. I think number one would be start with sort of competency or a needs-based analysis. So map out what's needed alongside your business objectives. You know, what are you investing in? What are the areas of development for your organization as a whole? You know, if if data, big data, for example, is a piece that you know you're going to need to be involved more, consider building that into your competencies and then understanding sort of where, where your current staff are within that. Um, you know, I love the point that you made, actually, uh, Samantha, and it's a really powerful quote in the, the fact um, online learning is not an option, it's a necessity. And I think that that really is, is absolutely true. I think that, you know, we were talking before we went online here about, about what universities are doing right now and what, you know, different colleges are doing, whether it's online, on campus, et cetera. I think what I would say is that regardless of all of that, online plays some part in this process. And I think that's a really important piece around, around the role of online and not just dismissing it as something that's happened. It's something that is happening and is here to stay and we can't overlook that. I think third would be curate content. So don't feel the need to go out there and develop a full training program on your own. You know, there's some fantastic opportunity and, and options out there right now. You know, Samantha's mentioned in learning. We've talked about short courses. We've talked about different uh, vlogs, podcasts, YouTube, etc. Um, you know, that you can actually engage with. 100% don't feel the need to, you know, develop your own content. What you might do is you might put a package together of curated content that makes it accessible. That might be one of the ways that you look to share that within your organisation. I also like the point around learning agility. So that, you know, talking about how that's key, really, in those leadership roles in terms of creating a culture and be thinking, you know, if you're a manager, I think it's one of those we talked about being reflective. Reflect on that. You know, think about are you creating, you know, learn, are you operating, sorry, with, with a learning agility, are you wanting to adopt new approaches, wanting to explore, wanting to test and learn, you know, and be really open about transparent about the feedback. And then the final point really was around that 70-20-10 piece that, that Samantha talked about. I thought that was brilliant in terms of, you know, 70% of learning taking place on the job, 20% of it taking place socially, so those sort of, you know, social, informal learning pieces, but also the role of that 10% of formal education, whatever that education ends up being. As I say, you know, we've talked about universities, it might be colleges, it might be professional membership networks, etc. But I think for me, it's about, as a, as a leader, as a manager, asking those coaching questions to normalise learning within your organisation. And especially in digital marketing in a space that moves on so quickly, you know, asking, challenging, getting that, that whole shareability piece to me is, is absolutely massive. So they were the five key takeaways that, that I've made notes of in my, in my book that won't just be going on a shelf, will now be put into action. So thank you very much for that. Then there's two things left for me to do. Um, next week, we've actually got Google um, talking to us about Q4 or, or Q3, depending on how your organisation structured. But essentially, between now and Christmas, um, what you're actually going to do with the retail season, trends that they've seen, things that you should be actioning from a digital market perspective. Um, so again, they've got some unique research that they're going to share with the, the listeners, people engaging with this podcast. So do join us then. I'm really looking forward to that. And then finally, just thank you very much. 
you know, I think this has been really, I've enjoyed this, it's been a really interesting session with both Samantha and Bob. So thank you very much for your input, guys. It's been great speaking to you about this topic. Thank you. Hey, hey. Auto sequence starts in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, hey.